one. Rob Cook, yep. how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Awesome, thanks for coming out. I yeah. know it doesn't look like it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we should address that, so what I, happened? I feel better than I look. <laughs> sure, what, what have you, you told me, but yeah, tell uh, me. Right. I had a bicycle mishap on Monday. Um, I'm no longer running the, the marathons and so on. I had some back surgery a decade back, so I bike a lot. And, yeah, there's a picture of you um, in, in one of the books, yeah, doing um, running. Yep, yeah. uh, marathons and ultra marathons and 24-hour races. I Boston five times, so it, it kind of took a big chunk of my life away when I had to stop running. But I still exercise a lot, and I'm out biking maybe 100, 150 miles a week. And I was on a trail with some construction and not paying close enough attention. Oh, geez. And, uh, and crashed. So I, I, I had a rude awakening with a with a curb. I'm not even sure what happened. It happened so fast, except I was on the ground with blood and pain and noise. And how, how long so ago was it? Mo Monday morning. Oh wow! So uh, very yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah. So it's looking better already, and I and I'm feeling fine. I was just uh, we, we were uh, joking earlier. You should have said yeah. like you should see with the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we I've got to think of a drum related story for this. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, so for everyone listening, Rob is. He's the he, he runs the drum show he has mm -hmm. and and he he invented it he he created it uh, that's mm -hmm. you know and and so we've we've known each other for a pretty long time you've only yeah. been to the shop though I think one time before it was quite yeah a while I ago. was over at the other shop <clears throat> once uh, in Chicago well, well yeah. and then downtown too uh, oh yeah. so you did make it to the Naperville yeah, yeah I was yeah. over at Naperville once and I was downtown uh, maybe a couple of times so but the nice. first, first time over here and the congratulations what a what a layout it's a really awesome really nice. spot yeah. <laughs> we're really happy to be here yeah yeah this yeah it was wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it's been an exciting couple of couple of months too. Yeah, everything this summer has just been so active. Have you have you been really busy over the summer? Uh, not really. I'm taking some time off. Uh, nice, it's, relaxing. It, it's uh, there's something even small if uh, happening every day all year with the drum show. So I'm doing some drum show stuff. Sure. And uh, doing some rebeats publications uh, work, but but uh, this. Generally, this 60-day period, I'm spending quite a bit of time at the lake with the dogs and, and uh, grilling and all that good oh, summer stuff in Michigan. That's awesome. I, later, I won't bring it. I won't talk too much about food on here, but maybe at the end I will. But yeah, we can talk grilling. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got any good recipes? But but yeah. So you um, can, can you just tell me? Well, why don't we start with you? The mm -hmm. How, just a little bit, yeah, where'd you grow up, you know, a little bit of your background? Alma, Michigan, a small town. Everybody always uh, holds up their hand and because uh, it's the shape of Michigan and sure. uh, Alma's dead center. I was born and raised there and except for four years going away to college, lived there all my life and uh, went into business there in the early 70s. It was a Christian bookstore that was known for musical instrument uh, accessories and it grew into what eventually was two Christian bookstores and three music stores. The three music stores specialized in guitars, amps, drums, PA gear, hmm. and my my own areas of specialization were that the AV stuff, installing sound and video systems in churches and schools, and of course the drum stuff. Yeah, uh, selling a lot of drums. Uh, it was a small town again of ten thousand, but. Uh, in the 70s, I was dealing most of the major brands. I was a, a pretty big Ludwig dealer, Slingerland. I didn't have Gretsch. I did have Rogers and Zikos and 
uh, numerous Zico, other brands a... along the way. <laughs> yeah. But one thing led to another, and '83 uh, the the oil embargo kind of crashed the musical economy in a lot of ways. I I know for me personally it was drum set sales hit the hmm. skids. I was selling easily a kid a week in this small town. A lot of people from of course larger cities. What was your biggest away. seller out there? Uh, Ludwig. I've always been Ludwig. a Ludwig guy. I always had to have a couple of Ludwig Octopluses in stock and people drive 100 miles to come to the shop and when they walk into this little shop and they see a lot two, of Vistalite? Two, yeah, well, all kinds. Uh, black Cortex was popular, white Cortex, but a lot of Vistalite, uh, clear, blue. I often wonder where all those kits went because I sold dozens of, of Octopluses. Sure. Uh, one octopus story I'll bore you with real quick. Hey, no, man, this uh, is what this is all about. This I, is, yeah, I talk a, about drums. <laughs> I had a good uh, customer. A lot of these customers that later became touring musicians and so on, which really astounds me, but they were they were coming in from the uh, little over the Rugrat stage on up and just hanging out in the music store because that's what you do. Sure. And this this kid wanted drums, and his his mom was always fighting with him about it. And finally, when he got to junior high, she she promised him that if he finished high school, then she would get him a Ludwig Octoplus. And that inspired him. And sure enough, by the middle of his senior year, he was on the path to where it looked like he was going to qualify so we got the drums ordered for, for that's, him that's good parenting yeah yeah so <laughs> but the nightmare for me was as soon as we ordered them in spite of all of my best projections on how long it was going to take because uh at that time when you placed an order with ludwig i had toured the factory and they had showed me the the order taking area and they had a a big chalkboard and whiteboard in the sales area. What year area. do you think that was? Uh, we're talking probably 75, 76, something like that. It was it was definitely Damon Avenue. And uh, Wayne Rogers was my inside uh, sales guy. But any anytime you placed cool, an order, yeah. <laughs> they would send you an acknowledgement, and you could call. Your, your uh, job was... <laughs> Remarkably similar <laughs> to what my job is now. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did audio things. stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So remarkably similar. Yeah. <laughs> so we get this order placed, and to check an order, they would send you a confirmation, of course, and uh, you call them and give them the confirmation number and date. They would look at the big whiteboard and they could see what they were shipping that day and they could project when this kit was going to go out. Sure. So this kid was in every day damn day wanting to know where his drums were and i kept telling him <laughs> I've, and, got, I've, I've got customers like that all the and time he, he just wouldn't <laughs> accept that it'll be here when it gets here uh so he would insist that i call every day and so on this went on for weeks and he's just so excited the initial, i need to have those drums <laughs> those projections had gone by his drums weren't there yet <laughs> finally one day he came in with his mom and told me that they had called the factory talked to mr ludwig about the the problems with the delivery and that he had promised to send him a kit to use. It, they didn't have his kit ready in oh, the, wow. the color, but because the, the kid had got him on the phone and, and said, you know, this has given Ludwig a bad name and blah, 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 and this is so important to me. And Bill So how listened. old was he when he called them? 
Uh, he was uh, 17. Oh, wow. 16, he, he was 17. on a mission here. Yeah. yeah. He needed yeah. these drums. <laughs> and and the chief listened to him and sympathized. And uh, huh. and I knew him a little bit. We had had him in for a, a clinic or something. Yeah. Uh, so he called me up, and uh, the chief did, and said, uh, we're sending him a kit to use, and we'll work it out afterwards what happens with it. But when we get his kit to him, then I'll probably offer you this other kit at a discount, or you can ship it back if you don't want it. Yeah. But I thought, wow, that's that's customer service, and wow. <laughs> the squeaking wheel gets the grease. But anyhow, all I've that heard many Ludwig with, uh, stories. Never yeah. one quite like that before, though. <laughs> yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of specialize in Ludwig, but we did an awful lot of Slinger. And at that time, they had a six pack thing for dealers, where if you ordered five drum kits you could get a sixth one for free that, mm. that could be no more expensive than the cheapest of the first five that you ordered, of course. So I, I got a lot of six packs, uh, usually just a five piece kit, but we sure. always had a couple of Octoplus kits set up with a big gong and all the symbols that I could put squeeze in it just to, for the wow factor, you know? Yeah. Did you guys have a lot of space there? <laughs> no, everything was crammed in and I can oh, really yeah. appreciate what your guys here go through. <laughs> moving, uh, yeah, to, to keep everything organized Logistics. and have a plan. I was I was telling Noah, man, <laughs> I look around and I can see what this took because I used to do that after hours, just stand and stare at a situation where <laughs> I knew I had a mountain of stuff to try to squeeze into this little area. <laughs> how, how can I do it so it looks right? You know? Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, the, the guitar section, not too hard to organize. The bass section, not too bad. You know, the amps yeah. are a little big, but mm-hmm. but then the drums, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so when things started to crash, I had already been taking in used drums. When I say things started to crash, I meant the, the new drum set sales dried up. Like 83, and, you said? Yep. yep. Of... There was a big oil embargo then and gas huh. prices went crazy. Everything yeah, that had that. any kind of petroleum in it, whether it was for making albums or anything, seemed to jump up in price. And uh, gas prices, of course, went crazy. That was kind of the beginning of the days when a lot of intersections that had four gas stations, one on every corner, started to dwindle. And you can still see it in some small towns. You can see buildings that that looks like it used to be a gas station. But this is when they all started drying up. But I had been uh, accepting old kits in trade and... A lot of them I knew nothing about, but they had name brands on them. Sometimes names I didn't recognize, like Leedy. Was and that Ludwig. common in the industry at that yeah. point? Taking because uh, there's some oh, shops yeah. that do. Yeah, some shops just don't. Yeah. Well, I didn't give very much, but you didn't want to say no. I won't give you anything because you wanted to close the deal. Right. But even if it was fifty bucks or something, it was better than putting them at the curb and sure. and you had to have enough margin to do that. But I had this stuff accumulating, so I had shelf after shelf in in my little storeroom of all this old drum stuff. So I got a visit from another kid that had grown up hanging out in my store, uh, Steve Shelley. And Steve was another one who had a deal with his parents. He wanted to be a drummer, he wanted to be a professional drummer. And his parents weren't having it. They, they, as and they did the same kind of negotiating. If you get your education up to this level, then you can do this. Blah blah blah. Sure. So, uh, but a little encouragement goes a long way. A little bit of parental support, and and they were behind Steve. 
and they always used to either come in without him to get him a Christmas present. He was from about 40 miles away in Midland, Michigan, and sometimes he'd drag him in be- long before he could drive, and he'd, they'd help him pick out a symbol and so on. Well, uh, he ended up playing uh, with a they let him go on the road when he graduated from high school. The only gig he could find was with a polka band, so he toured Michigan with this old guy in a polka band. I'm mixing band. an album, a really? polka album, uh-huh. uh, Friday. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally. Well, then then Steve disappeared, and I didn't see him for a year or two, and his mom came in to get him a Christmas present sure. and, and told me he had moved to New York where he was hanging out in uh, the clubs and he was into steel uh, steel drums and uh, so on. And uh, she said he's in a band that's starting to get some traction and they're, they're going to Russia. Sure. And I said, what's the band? And she said, it's, a, it's called Sonic Youth. And uh, I, I had never heard of him up till that point, but here Steve was, uh, and he wasn't the founding drummer, but he was there from the really early days. So I told her, make sure you you drag him back in next time he's in Michigan. And when he did come in the next trip back six months later, he told me about, he, I was showing him around the shop and I showed him this, all these old drums. And he said, well, yeah. And he started pointing out some things that he knew about. And he said, you've got to get subscribed to this, this newsletter, Not So Modern Drummer. So he he was kind of my introduction to John Aldridge. Okay, it, it, this is interesting. Uh, I've uh, I've talked about this. Uh, not so modern drummer and how it related to the beginning of the drum show. Yeah, yeah. Many times with many people. So, so, um, I, so, w- what year did you first get? Uh, like, when did not so modern drummer actually start? I'd have to check with John on that, but I'm thinking early '80s, maybe mid '80s. Joe Loma was talking but, to me about uh, how everyone would use the pages in the back of that. To yeah. Just first, find, at first, it was nothing but stuff. the pages. It was just four or five mimeograph sheets stapled together yeah. that John started sending to ten or fifteen people just that he mail that he knew. Yeah, mail him kind of yeah. like a mail and, list, and it just grew from there into a regular <laughs> magazine and and yeah. on and on and on. But yeah, Steve told me about it, introduced me to to uh, John, and I subscribed to that and. Then I thought, it's well, a great name, uh, not so modern drummer. <laughs> I need to know more about this. I thought, I know, I'll do a video. So I did a, a video called Introduction to Vintage Drums, and I called everybody I knew of that I figured knew more than I did about old drums, and that was the chief, uh, Bill Ludwig, John Aldridge, uh, Ned Ingmerman at uh, Vintage Drum Center, uh, David Bozier was another, a collector in Iowa. And we, I found a guy that had access to a professional-grade camera, and we spent a weekend, a marathon weekend, going around to visit all these people and asking them every question I could think of about old drums. Made a VHS tape called Introduction to Vintage Drums. And uh, that was my start because I figured it would educate myself in old drums and give me a product to sell to educate other people about Sure. Old drums. What was the first uh, kit you ever had? There's a fun uh, question. Y- well, uh, the first professional kit that I could actually gig on, and I was old enough to gig, was a uh, Ludwig Hollywood uh, Oyster nice. Blue. Oh yeah. And and it kind of got me started in in my business years later. But I bought that kit at uh, Frank's Drum Shop in '66, hmm. 
and I I lost track of it for a few years and then managed to buy so it back again. Frank's yeah. all the way in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, 224 South Wabash. You guys right. just drove all the way out? No, we were in town for uh, an office supply convention. Oh. And, and I had Is that, ordered That's what your, uh, your father did? Yeah, maybe? yeah, I grew up in retail, my parents' office supply store. Hmm, okay. And I already had a kit on order that had been on order for six months with no, no hope in sight from the local furniture store in Alma and <laughs> I was getting desperate. I was like that kid waiting sure. for his octopus. <laughs> and we're walking down Wabash in Chicago and my dad sees the directory that says Frank's drum shop and he wanted to take me up there. And the, I did we have that. Yeah. Well We have the very sign. It's supposedly it's one of the signs. It might it, not be it's one of the signs. Yeah. I, I noticed that over there. But the, <laughs> that, that's the, what they tell me. I mean I didn't the, the one I'm talking about was Yeah, were, I wasn't born there was yet. a directory up by the sidewalk that was one of those uh, black signs with the little white movable letters that oh, you sure. put in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it said uh Chicago Guitar Gallery on two, Sid Sherman on three, Frank's drum shop on four, sure. and later five. Uh but I thought, no, I don't want to go up there. It's going to be some dusty old place. If it was a music store, you'd be It'd able be to. Um, it'd yeah. be, there'd be a display down here. And, windows, yeah. <laughs> and my dad is, dragged me up there, and he's kind of a people person. And it's it was the kind of place. Maury Lashan was the proprietor, and one of right. his favorite stories was about the kid who when the elevator opened, he swallowed his gum and started choking <laughs> because this place would do it. It was like Forget. it was like walking into your place, only you saw yeah. all of these drums at once stacked, you know, sure. to, to a eighteen foot ceiling. And yeah. it was just breathtaking. And and I wasn't uh shy, but I wasn't an extrovert. And my dad almost immediately met Maury and uh uh, introduced himself and me. We ended up leaving with the drum kit that day. Nice. And and it kind of set me up not only in drums but in business because he gave him gave me all my stuff at forty percent off. I'd go home to Alma and pretty soon I was selling cymbals and drums to schoolmates for twenty percent off and making twenty percent and yeah, kind of a closet business there. But but that was my first kit that uh, Ludwig Hollywood that. Later, yeah, that, I, uh, that shop, too. Frank's, was really a, kind of a core part of old Chicago. Yep, yeah. And, the, and, and mm. just the idea of having music stores mm. up in the... There's still some. Mm. The Fine Arts Building, that's where we started. That's sure. right across the street, kind of. Yep. About a block and away. and uh, it wasn't many years later. And, and Gretsch had a big uh, facility near near where Frank's was. And then eventually, Crowden. Oh, Gretsch, Gretsch did. Yeah, like yeah. a a sales floor. Uh, it was more of a distribution hub. They had a sales I didn't office. Know this. Yeah. yeah, and and actually, it was right above uh, where Crowden opened up, which was just two doors down. It was interesting. Two twenty four for Franks and two twenty six for Crowden's, hmm. and uh, and that was part of Crowden's rationale for opening right there. He could he could have people come in and and order a Gretsch kit, and he could just take them up or down i'm not sure which sure to the warehouse and they could pick out the drums and they'd yeah. have them right then the uh, i'll have you off the street in 30 days yeah <laughs> that's what uh uh they <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, there, there was a bit of a war going on it, that, that's a common thing in drum shops strangely because mm -hmm. it, yeah. it's not the only time it's happened I've, yeah. there are other stories where like yeah. you know someone 
works in a shop for a while yeah. and then they go start their own thing. But that's I, okay. There should there, be more there were, shops. There was a lot of or the war, uh, wars between uh, different factions along then then and I won't I won't get into the the grit sure. of that but but basically I I heard the story of Crowden splitting off from Franks and opening Crowden's from a couple of different perspectives. Of course I heard it from from Bill Crowden's perspective. But I also heard it from the Chiefs, uh, who was his father-in-law. Uh, Bill Crowden married Brooke Ludwig. Right, right. But, but then also from Maury. Uh, and uh, I, w- I won't go into the details of all those, but, but basically, as I understand it, the agreement as Crowden worked for Maury was that eventually he would be working into an ownership position and be uh-huh. able to buy the shop from Maury. But after a certain number of years, when that didn't happen, uh, there started to be some friction, and he finally decided to split out on his own and huh. open the competing shop. That's interesting, uh, yeah. Which ended up acquiring the Frank's name years later. But Sometimes uh, it's difficult to work <laughs> for people when you have different ideas on how to do things. So, yeah. yeah I, so that these things yeah. happen, yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes uh, it's funny because sometimes you find that you're wrong very quickly. <laughs> and then sometimes you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends. Yeah, and and partnerships are hairy. I mean, uh, sure. the the best laid plans. I mean, the closest friends can go into a partnership, and then all bets are right. off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like yeah, if you get a roommate, even if it's a relative. You if know? you get a roommate that's a friend, yeah, you may yeah. not be friends anymore. Yeah, after exactly. About, you give it like three or four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know that's interesting. It, all interesting stories. Yeah, some some old lore about the yeah. the I guess you know percussion uh, dealers, the drum mm-hmm. dealers of mm-hmm. uh, of Chicago yeah. in the old days. So that that uh, association with John Aldridge really blossomed, and we've I could probably do a book on uh, the adventures John and I have had. Uh, because we've both uh, we've had so numerous when did projects. You guys, it was yeah. you first ran into John from the the not so modern drummer, him, and case. he yeah. started that. Yeah, yeah, yep. John. Like I, I remember him engraving drums mm-hmm. at the shows and yep. talking to him, yep. uh, and always kind of being really impressed by that. Yeah, yep. These were the days when he was still learning. I when I did that video, I was able to go on a on like a 48 hour drive and go to see the chief and Ned Ingram and, and so on. But John at yeah. the time was in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So that's a I, bit of a hike. <laughs> so I took all my, my camera gear and everything out there and we <clears> rented <throat> a little studio and did our interview out there. But at that time, John was just getting started with scratching, uh, as he calls his engraving. And he was teaching school. He was teaching elementary school. Oh, I didn't and, know that. And he was working on old uh, acrylites and other kind of what were throwaway drums at the time. And and uh, going out at recess and while he watched the kids, he was. So there are engraved with, acrylites yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, scratched uh, probably might be a better term for some of those. Not so good. So he, he was just <laughs> learning. Yeah. Because that's aluminum then. Yeah. But aluminum's yeah. pretty soft, just like. Yeah, yeah, and he's learned a lot about surfaces and everything, and he can tell you lots of stories about that because there are imperfections and so on. He can be going to town on a drum with a plan and engraving right along and come to a bad spot. Oh, geez. And it's like coming to a knot in a piece of wood, you know. All of a sudden, there's some some place where his engraving tool isn't doing what it's supposed to. But but he's got that pretty well figured out now, I think, and uh, has become a real master at it. There are still a couple people at the show that 
that do engraving there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, is he, um, he, he emails me and my dad every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> What's he up to these days? I don't think he's been on uh, the show for a while. Uh, it's hard uh, since he's been teching for Ario. Okay. Uh, he works with Brian so he's, Pitt. He's keeping busy. He's yeah. Like he's just yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's able to do some engraving on the road, but sure. he almost got caught up during the, the shutdown because the COVID was kind of, the shutdown was a blessing for him in that he was able to catch up on some of the backlog of engraving. Because uh, anymore, he does so much engraving for, geez, a lot of the major companies and then custom drums for artists, either by the company or direct. And sure. I know he's done a lot for Ludwig and Joyful Noise and, and on and on and on. But uh, uh, I don't think he does so much engraving on the road. So uh, it's uh, catch up when you can. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he's still doing a lot of engraving. So and, he's and like tech the work head. So on. He, he, he deals with the behind the scenes for the for the whole tour. No, he he's pretty much responsible for uh, Brian Hitt's uh, drum kit. Oh, just percussion. That's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He ends up, of course, uh, wearing other hats because on a tour it's, uh, well, this has to be done. Who can we get to do it? I know we'll offer somebody extra money if they'll do sure. it. So, <laughs> so you have to cover all the bases. Uh, but base is basic responsibility is engineering, setting up, acquiring uh, all the pieces needed to make brian's ario kit work and cool getting it tuned and dialed in and making sure nothing's going wrong with it and yeah if you look close he you'll always see his face uh at the back of the stage or if you look close enough uh, <laughs> you know he does he tries to be inconspicuous i know at one point he had a bunch of extra duties he even had a laptop down there and a cowbell and a microphone and he was doing cues and <laughs> and, and triggering sounds and Thankfully, they moved a lot of that over to the the monitor engineer. But uh, he keeps real busy on show days, uh, yeah. supervising the in, calling the uh, the uh, cases, directing the stage hands on what goes where, and assisting him. And There's nothing get, like live performance. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's like you're you're really put in. Uh, stressful situation everything has to be correct yep if it's not correct it's a big problem (laughs) yep yep and if you've got a uh an an alpha male drummer is which a lot of hard rock uh, drummers are (laughs) they want it right and it's 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 their butt if it's not right because it makes them look bad and they don't have a lot of patience i i work with people like that on the sidelines at the football games the Oh lot, yeah, yeah. We were going to talk about this. A lot Ken of, told me a lot yeah. of highly paid people cool. on short fuses that have no room for sure. for error and little patience for uh, troubleshooting and so on. It's, what what's it called again? The uh, my position at at the games. Yeah, I, I'm a yellow hat. They call it. Nice. Uh, it's basically a coach to coach technician uh, in charge of. Uh, communications between coaches and working with the coach to player communications guy so we got seven or eight coaches upstairs on the on the uh, presses level in the booth and another eight to ten on the field and uh, keeping all of those electronics aligned and and functioning and uh, keeping all those guys happy (laughs) that's great (laughs) that's a it sounds yeah it sounds like a challenge yep 
Yep, I've been with the Lions for this will be 26 years uh, this season, and yeah, uh, kind of a fun uh, challenge though. We're in about our fifth generation now of uh, of technology. Uh, when I started, it was all hundred foot cables getting wound up and tangled up and everything, and <laughs> we're in about our fourth generation of wireless electronics and our the technology hub that I'm in charge of connecting also serves as the center for the injury review communications and, uh, oh gosh, what else is in there? The, the timekeeper cut off on the, the countdown clock, et cetera. So there's wow. uh, a lot of fiber optics involved and a lot of uh, two and six gig communications. And it's almost like a private uh, Wi-Fi network that we're working on but it, yeah. it's really interesting uh and and not really high pressure as long as you get everything figured out well before kickoff there's always sure. surprises at the last minute when all of the electronics actually fire up in in a real world situation but yeah um we do the best we can yeah you, you probably have like redundancies <laughs> oh yeah yeah, there, there's <laughs> redundancies for everything these days. Uh, if, sure. if you look over that tech cart, multiple UPS units to keep make sure you've got, always got power in case somebody right. cuts a cable or trips over. My board or can actually it. do that. My Yamaha really? board because it's a live board. That's uh-huh. what they used to use. They'd use that in a ball game back in, you know, like nineteen. 19- mm-hmm. 95 maybe yeah. yeah it's got two you can hook it up to two power units so if yeah. one dies the other one will be okay yeah. right in. <laughs> redundancies yeah. are essential yeah <laughs> my my yeah. silly board I, I really like it but it's actually pretty <laughs> pretty you know it's not yeah. not like state-of-the-art stuff but mm. no <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah. do you have a drum set like that something that's like you really love yourself but then uh isn't necessarily anything terribly special <clears throat> oh. But to you, it's you know one of the best sounding kits you got. Not really. I've got some keepsakes. I was once in the uh, in the my my uh, ex wife's uncle's basement in in the Illinois Valley, and we went to the basement to look at a fuse or something, and I saw a drum sticking out from under a blanket, and I asked him what's what's up with the drum, Chuck? Okay, and it it turned out to be a, an early 20s kit with uh, the wood blocks and the oil painted head, a 10 nice. lug 5 by 14 engraved black beauty. Which head is it? Uh, it's uh, which painted head? a mountain with a nice. lake in front of it. Yeah. So yeah. the two flashing lights with a, uh, a blue light underneath the lake and a red light behind the mountain. Nice. Really. <laughs> and it wasn't in the greatest of shape, but he insisted I take it. I insisted on paying him because this was only a couple of years into my friendship with John, but I knew what Black Beauties were worth, which in the day they were already approaching $1,000. Sure. And uh, I insisted on paying him for it. And I had the, the snare drum uh, fixed up. I thought, I know this is not going to be original anymore. It's going to affect the value, but... Yeah. I want I want to have this hardware plated, so I I did, and all the the lugs and hoops were replated, and not long after that I consulted with uh, Sweetheart Productions in New York on a Woody Allen movie. They wanted to know what would be appropriate drum gear for this Sean mm-hmm. Penn movie, Sweet nice. and Lowdown, and I consulted on that. And as soon as we finished up that stage of the uh, the negotiation, Sean Penn. I wonder if I've seen that. 
you should it's available it's out there in fact i've yeah. got a dvd i could send you if you want to view it sure but uh sean penn plays a we could even there's probably a link to the scene with the kit did, did you end up providing the kit or? yeah yeah there's probably a link I, as there soon on as YouTube, i finished I the consulting they came back to me and said okay now where do we get a kit like this like you've sure. just identified i had sent them catalog pages and so on saying here's what you want Right. And they wrote back and said, where do we get it? And I said, well, I happen to have one. And I, so I rented it to him for the movie. And I said, there's a problem. I have upgraded this Black Beauty and the hardware has been replated. So it looks newer. And they said, well, yeah, that's, that's ideal for us because we don't want a 20s kit that looks 100 years old. We yeah. want a 20s kit that looks, looks like new. it was in the 20s. So sure. it, it worked out perfectly. Uh, so that that snare drum and that kit are are seen in various uh, uh, clips in that movie. Very uh, cool. Sweet and low down. Every yeah. movie I watch, I I pause and then <laughs> wait. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. What kind? Huh? My dad yeah. did that to me. Yeah. <laughs> Before it would just be I wouldn't care. Yeah. Even yeah, just movies you'd never or TV My shows. My wife even notices them now. Really Whenever cool. there's drums, she says, "What kind of drums are those?" Yeah. She's she's curious now. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Let let me uh, one thing. Hey, uh, are you here? Jake, could you close my windows? Here's my keys. <laughs> I left them open so the car wouldn't get too hot. Bad idea. Because <laughs> I don't have AC. It's just in my little Honda right up front. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I, I was not expecting this kind of rain. <laughs> it's okay. They're not totally open. <laughs> I, didn't yeah. even, I didn't realize it was raining. Yeah, it just, yeah. just started coming down. Yeah, the... Uh, oh, now I hear it. Yeah, we, we've been getting a lot. We've been getting a lot lately. A lot of uh, precipitation. <laughs> it's great, though. We really need it. It's been pretty hot. Yeah. How about yeah. in Michigan? Is it probably Same. pretty similar right? yeah yeah our, it's been weather. real warm uh last few weeks very it hasn't cooled off much you, at night even you yeah. still live in like the, the very center uh pretty much I, we moved 50 miles south to east lansing but i still have my uh an office in alma where rebeats is basically cool and uh still have a bunch of equipment up there and that's where all the books are for the most part and but i can do quite a bit of work from home we moved to east lansing to be closer to my wife's uh, grandkids and nice. so i i commute to uh to alma two or three times a week and okay yeah. where do you do you just have the the rebeat stuff do you have like a, a warehouse where you, where you store all the stuff or is uh, yeah it might not have that much that you need that yeah it's called cook tower <laughs> okay. <laughs> I w I w all I needed was a utility building, and nice. I, I, I had a contractor come and do the measurements, and I, I have a, a small apartment building with some a little bit of a yard, and I thought I'll just put in a pole barn out here, 24 by 40, 12-foot ceilings. Yeah. He measured the setbacks. We signed the contract, gave him a deposit. <laughs> Next week he called to say, can't do it. The city says because of zoning, we, uh, we can't give you a footprint any bigger than uh, twenty by twenty by twenty four. Okay, uh, so you had to build it really tall. He said, "But you can go as high as you want." And I said, "Fine, we'll go two stories high, silly. twelve foot ceiling." <laughs> it was ridiculous. Less structurally stable, but <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's it's structurally stable, but it looks silly, and it's right on the sure. edge of a, a really nice park. So now instead of a utility building there, the city has. 
this ridiculous looking at what I call a cook tower. So, <laughs> hey, so, but I, I, does it have a good view? <laughs> no windows at all. My wife couldn't understand that, but I thought, well, that's what do I need windows for? It's, waste it, money. That, it's a security <laughs> thing. It's a temperature that I can keep it better insulated sure. uh, and climate controlled more easily if I just seal it up. Yeah. So yeah. The ground floor isn't even uh, weatherproofed, but upstairs is where all the, the books and instruments and so on are. And Awesome. Uh, so, do do you have a big collection of drums? Not really. I don't uh, even know. I don't know. I know. Uh, I know about most people's collections, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I haven't really, really talked to you about that before. I don't think I have over six kits and maybe nice. maybe twenty twenty five snares. Uh, yeah, I've got some. You know that old Black Beauty from the, uh, the Sweet and Low Down kit and <clears throat> and uh, a nineteen twelve uh, Ludwig and. A few presentation drums. Uh, they gave me a really nice drum at the 20th anniversary Chicago Drum Show, and hmm. John engraved my name on it in Chicago Drum Show, and so on. Very really, nice. <laughs> really nice uh, six and a half inch Black Beauty, and uh, Ron Donette made me a really nice George Way drum, and Johnny Craviato made me a uh, a Craviato out of a piece of wood that I personally selected at, oh. at the Timeless Timber Warehouse or Lumberyard in Ashland, Wisconsin. Oh, that's cool. My, my brother used to live up in that part of the state, and I... Uh, this I, is this is really old wood from... Yeah, yeah. I guess it came it, from the... The bottom of Lake Superior. Yeah, the old so growth stuff. It, it sat down there for 100 years. It's so cold, I guess it won't, like, rot? Right. And frozen they, most of the time. They <laughs> even claimed that there were microorganisms that would eat out the the center of cells and it made Pet, the petrified wood more, I think. yeah <laughs> and uh so the wood is basically like 350 it is years true old minerals yeah. of rock do seep into it probably yeah because yeah there is petrified yeah. wood that's what my dad i think used to say sometimes <laughs> yeah it's a little harder maybe i don't know how that works but uh <laughs> anyhow when i i i got i had checked to, with Johnny before I went up there and he to get the dimensions of what kind of board uh, what size board I would need to make a snare drum sure and he told me and I picked out a piece of nice uh, uh, bird's eye maple and I sent it to him and he cautioned me you know by this time I had a couple hundred bucks in it because the board itself was maybe hundred and thirty dollars and I had to ship it to Johnny yeah. But, but he cautioned That's me. That's be long, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said there's no guarantees, and if this cracks, yeah. cracks or shatters, uh, there's nothing I can do. And I said, Just well, have to go get another one. <laughs> take your best shot. I don't know anybody else that I want to try to do it. Sure. So uh, he sent it to me, and he said, I did have a bit of an issue. I don't think it's something you'll ever be able to spot. And I've always wondered about that. Uh, did you ever find it? No, no. It looks perfect to me. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. And it's it's autographed inside, of course, made for Rob Cook and signed by Johnny uh, and with the date. Very cool. And I, I took it to special backlines when I was doing a casino production work. I was uh, doing a video for 15 years at the local casino in, in central Michigan. Okay. And I would do quite a bit of backline. And if it was a drummer that I knew or that I knew of and I wanted to take special <laughs> stuff, I would always take you know a, a black beauty or two and a radio king and the craviato and they almost invariably chose the craviato uh especially Derek Spigner with uh, Charlie Pride he he yeah. just loved coming to town cuz he knew I was going to be bringing 
my spiz high hats or spitz aquino high hats and oh so you like spiz stuff too yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i've been over i've been to tuscany and i knew roberto oh you're so I, lucky i, I wish i could have met him i had an olive wood snare drum in fact at one time he only made three of those and at one time johnny had one johnny craviato had one i had one and Roberto had kept the third. It was in the family. Hmm. I, I've since sold mine to Lee Ruff, uh, who has a whole collection of, of Spitzakino snare drums. And Actually, I, I, I don't think I've ever yeah. seen one of those before. It's, uh, yeah, stave construction, and it, it, it's odd looking. It's uh, stave, olive wood, yeah. olive wood and with kind of a wood Italy. burned uh, logo, yeah. and kind of cast iron counter hoops that are black and look real handmade. Is there anything bronze on there? Uh, pardon? Is there anything bronze on the on the drum? Uh, just the the two lugs, and they're okay. kind of an unfinished bronze, with with a, what looked like to be cheap chrome imported tension rods. Sure. And an inexpensive throw off. And yeah, they, they get the job and, done. <laughs> yeah. And when R- Roberto was not like AK, me, he makes every little part. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the truth is, perfect. AK. Maybe he wasn't even around at that point if he or he wasn't making drums yet. Yeah, I'd never heard of him at that point. I imagine he probably uh, would have been able to yeah. give him. But Roberto was such an artist, you could see the fire in his eyes. He'd he'd just be all excited and passionate about a project. And yeah. when he when he showed me this drum I've only seen videos. I, I said, Roberto, did you consider, you know, plating the the black counter hoops and the tube lugs so everything is chrome or anything and he kind of looked at me like i had offended him like he was confused <laughs> he said well this is what i saw this, sure this is what i wanted to create this yeah. is what i created I, it, like he didn't understand the question sure and then i felt a little bad but but i understood what he, what he was saying uh, this you, is what he wanted a picture to picture of your your snare you can oh yeah i can get you is pictures it okay of it. if we like uh, put it up on the. Oh, certainly. If you send certainly. me a picture, yeah, I'll put a. I'd, I'd love to see because I haven't seen that, yeah. so I don't even. Yeah, and it was curious. a great sounding drum. Great sounding drum. Yeah. I don't know Is whatever thi- happened to Johnny's. Thick, pretty yeah. thick shell. Yeah, yeah it was. Pre- I would guess three quarters of an inch. Or so something. did he lathe it himself on his lathe? No, it, no, it was a stave construction. So he he made all these the, blocks with the beveled edges so that when he put them together, it yeah. formed a circle. But after, yeah. I think they use a lay, I, I haven't made one oh, before. Oh, to finish off the, as, uh, yeah, the yeah, bearing edges and so on? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. He, <laughs> he probably had Never something done it like before. that <laughs> set up because he was obviously lathing symbols and so on. So sure. he probably could have jerry-rigged something. I'm not sure how he did the edges. Did but. Did they show you the, the drum molds we have? Yeah. In fact, I took a couple of Maybe someday I will make a drum. I, I, <laughs> I, I remember when that auction was up, and I, I was bored. following that pretty closely. That, that was, that, <laughs> oh, that was so amazing. Do, what do you think about those? Yeah. Uh, I think, Where are they from? Like, are they Rogers well, or from one of the Rogers factories that... No, they're, they're from Jasper. Okay, but, Jasper. But, okay. but they were owned by probably Rogers and Kent... And was there a third company involved in there? Maybe Camco? You know more about the history of these than I do. (laughs) Apparently. I remember remember looking into that at the time. They were kind of presented in the auction by the guy that was selling them as being Rogers because he bought them in Dayton. Yeah, they yeah. were being sold from Dayton. That's or pretty much all that I know about. But them. but they they really were were living down uh, at uh, Jasper, Indiana. Did, were they in a fire maybe at some point, point? and then know. just moved from company to company as like something that because they're really rusty. 
Yeah. They're really, really, that might just be from age. I just, yeah, I think it's just from age. It could and, be fixed. And, they could be used. And storage. Well, they probably could be, but. I'll prove it. Now Now, now I'm going to prove it. <laughs> the I'm going to prove it. I'm going to bring you a really bad drum. <laughs> yeah, the, the question is whether you'd the want next drum to show. use them. You know? <laughs> it, would, it would take so much time and money to actually <laughs> Look, make Rob, them workable. Is, try it out. <laughs> uh, you really wasted your time here. <laughs> I have a lathe, too though so i could uh, but I, i'm certainly glad they were they were preserved and, yeah uh, what do you think we should do with them <laughs> just maybe stack them up get yeah just present them a museum as a, uh, yeah, just a piece of history <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what if we preserve most of them as a piece of history and then maybe get a like two or three of them so they can actually make a snare drum that's what i was thinking i was thinking maybe i could you know uh joe marquat right he, he comes to the show Marker, all the time. Yeah, He's yeah. from... Hit drum. Or, or, yeah, sure. he does. Yeah, yep, hit drum, yeah. Yeah. Or wait, yeah. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, the... But he he uh, he does a great job, and uh, I was hoping that someday he'd be interested in working with me on, you know, Dang. making a snare. Because <laughs> yeah. there's there's a metal in inside, and then there's the really thick steel outside, mm -hmm. and then... You're, we have a steamer too. I just have to hook and you, it up. You've got all those. Uh, I have planers. You see those wedge, I have everything I need. Those wedge things. You know what those are for? Yeah, uh, that's to like, tighten it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To hammer into that inside. The thing first thing that, I'd probably need to do is clean one or two of those, and then get all the saws and planers. And another thing we have is a uh, uh, what's it called? A jointer. Yeah, I got all kinds mm -hmm. of really cool tools back yeah. there. Yeah. Really dangerous tools. Yeah. Really dangerous. I'm not qualified yeah. to repair these tools. <laughs> I don't want to lose a finger. <laughs> you could make a career out of it, and I don't know if it would be worthwhile. It wouldn't to sure. me. I'd hate to see anything happen to them. It's great that you've got them. Yeah, just but, take them as a piece of history. But you would have to, to actually use them. I uh, probably first clean everything up and get all the rust Sand off and blast it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even then you may have altered the, the dimensions of what things were, were less uh, perfect back then. Yeah. yeah. We, we were talking about lathing. I think that nowadays mm -hmm. they lathe the shell. It's like the very last to make it. So it's perfectly round, but old mm -hmm. drums, that's one of the reasons that those vintage drums, the insides, especially they might have uh, they were all the outside. over they were all over yeah, but yeah the <laughs> insides they're just rough they they and that yeah. i think contributes to the sound of those drums yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny because some some people collect vintage drums because they just want to have the history and then some people mm -hmm. love the sound and mm -hmm. then some people don't like the sound and then some, you know it goes yeah. goes all around what, what about yeah. do you have any vintage kits that you just uh think sound like the best <clears throat> Because you were saying you no. have a DW as your main one. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> not really. And and the the Ludwig kit that I started out with and uh, sold and it helped start my business in the early days of the music store. And I, then I managed to buy back from the guy a few years later. Sure. And it's up on the shelf. And I was not a good steward of those drums, so I don't even play those now. I love seeing them every time I go into the tower, but sure. uh, I don't really play them. And they probably don't sound too good either, because I've I have fiddled with the bearing edges. As soon as I started oh. hearing about changing bearing edges, I took a file to them, and oh, oh. I can do that, <laughs> not well. knowing what I was doing. And one of them was put 
the floor time was put too close to a space heater in one of my shops and scorched oh, no. <laughs> a good part of the pearl off. And what was the fit? Um, was it white marine pearl or no? It was uh, oyster blue. Oh, okay. And, it, and it's a gorgeous blue. It's really too bad that I, I destroyed that floor tom. I've had. Some, I've seen that uh, before. I, I saw that on a top hat and cane kit. Really? Uh, yeah. It was. It was. I think it was hanging from yeah. a ceiling. It didn't it, take an awful lot of heat, to, uh, heat. To, yeah. to set that stuff on fire. I've even heard of people burning coverings off that have that that real flammable pearl and they just go out in their driveway yeah light it and let I'm, it burn off <laughs> i'm still learning about this but i think that the really early pearl i see in the leedy catalogs it's called um perline yeah perline yeah which uh, i believe is similar to linoleum if i'm not mistaken it's like i think it's made uh, it's a really early plastic that's made from and then later stuff mm. is not that at all. Yeah, I think mm. it changed like, but that stuff I think is pretty, like, you know the, mm. I've got a, a, a leady with a peacock finish mm -hmm. and it's all cracked. You know the uh, ones I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. I think that's what that might be. They also, they have like a linen cheesecloth under them. Mm -hmm. It's really I've interesting. That. Yeah, there's some Gretsch with that stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the the different types of plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's George, many. George Way was in the middle of that. That's one of the interesting things about the whole George Way legacy. Is uh, yeah, he, yeah. He claims I, have, I'm reading your book. <laughs> he was he was with Leedy when they covered the first drum with a, a pearl and a drum covering for Chauncey Morehouse, right? Uh, who was playing at the Greystone. So was this in white marine pearl? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at the time, they were it was just starting to come into use, uh, covering uh, uh, hairbrushes and toilet bowl covers <laughs> right. and all, all kinds of things. There's seats, toilet bowl seats. It's tough stuff. Like it's really tough stuff. Yeah. yeah, when still to this day, when customers mm -hmm. uh, want to get a kit that will take a you know a little bit of a, a beating, yeah, wrap is what you recommend usually. That's what I recommend at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so, yeah, we, we should talk more about the drum show. So mm -hmm. maybe just, yeah, about kind of the origins and, and how you, yeah, just kind of, sure. because sure. you, you were telling me earlier um, about yeah. the story of like the very first drum show. Yeah. Yep. I, I, uh, it goes back almost to those days when I was first getting started in vintage drums and hanging out with uh, John Aldridge and calling him a couple times a week for advice and got that video out and so on. And then along about that time, John was already knew Bunny Carlos at that time and Randy Rainwater and had introduced me to those guys. And uh, then I got word that uh, I think probably from either Joe Luoma or Bunny about this uh, drum show. Or, uh, they didn't call it drum show. They said there was going to be a, a swap meet. Okay. And it was going to be held at uh, a Holiday Inn and in Love's Park, Illinois, right near where... Uh, where Bunny lived in uh, near Rockford in Love's Rockford, Park. Rockford, yeah. <laughs> so I came down for that, and it it was a swap meet. There were maybe 15 of us there. I know I remember Jack Brand from Percussion Express, Bunny and Randy. I think Joe Luoma was there and Chuck Scalia, uh, Blair Holbin. So there was a group of us, and it was basically a bunch of guys with some old drums and uh, boxes <laughs> of parts and, and swapping stuff back and forth. Sure. And it, but it was basically sponsored and put on and founded by uh, uh, J. 
Jack Hutchinson from the Drum Barn. He had a, a retail drum shop. Jack has since passed away. I'm sure people um, listening but, know. Oh yeah, either knew him or yeah. been at the shop. Or yeah, it was yeah. a it was a pretty well known. What shop city in was that area. in? I think it was in the Rockford area. Okay, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But uh, Joe probably talked about him. Yeah. <laughs> I I uh, called Jack uh, about eight months later to get the dates on his, the next one coming up, and he told me that it didn't work out for him. He lost money on the deal, and he was not interested in in pursuing it. And I was disappointed in that. But he said, "Hey, if you want to do it, I'll give you my my uh, contacts and knock yourself out. Uh, sure. Have one." So I thought, well, okay, I'll have one in my shop. So the the next year, I I uh, put on a swap meet at my shop in Alma, Michigan, and uh, I remember uh, Joe Chilla from uh, JC's Drum and Music in Detroit came up, and uh, uh, Skins and Tins, Terry and Liz Hawkins, they were also at the very first one, and. Uh, wow. Now, here we are in 2022, and myself and uh, Terry and Liz are the only ones that have been to all 32. Every single one. 31 shows, uh, yeah. And so what uh, year was the first show? Uh, that would have been 91. 91, okay. Yeah. So what was uh, my dad's first show? That would probably be... I imagine probably... So the next, we did the one in Alma, and I could see that if it was going to grow and keep, How was keep the one people in coming, was it? it wasn't much bigger than the one in... Uh, a little off the beaten trail. Down here. Yeah, exactly. It was so far up, I thought, I yeah. need to get back to the Chicago area so sure. we can keep this growing. So Chicago um, has its has its negative, yeah. You know, I, but I, I set up. Uh, I, I don't know how be, we I think. I love how we managed to cross paths, but I hooked up with uh, Mark Petrosky and Robert Carone. Hmm. Robert Carone is a co-partner in uh, a huge business called Upstaging. Now they they do uh, trucking of for concert stages and that, oh, and that sort okay. of thing. Yeah, and and he was also a vintage drum guy. He was especially a uh, uh, centered on Rogers stuff, as I recall. Anyhow, hmm. uh, Mark and um, Mark Petrosky and Robert and I uh, set up a show at the Hillside Holiday Inn in '93, and that I think w I'm pretty sure your dad was at that one, and it was probably his first one. Oh wow, uh, that's I'd, cool. I'd have to ask him if he was at Hillside. So maybe because I I don't think he was. What was the first yeah. one in Kane County? I could oh, be wrong. Though. That was two more years in 95. It was 94. That's at least the first one I remember. The, the yeah. three-way partnership uh, didn't continue after that first year. And uh, Robert and Mark and I went our separate ways. Yeah. And I was I was looking around for a place to, to have the, the third show. And uh, fourth show, I guess it would be. Sure. Uh, then I, I crossed paths with Carl Dussman, and he was trying to... Uh, get the DePaul Music Mart off the ground. Carl, yeah, uh, okay. So, so he offered me that venue at no charge. I know Carl. Yeah. Uh, so we we had that one at the DePaul Music Mart, uh, and then the next year after that, we went to Kane County for the first time. It so we're up to about ninety five or six. 
Yeah, my my yeah. dad he might have gone to both of those, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And then the DePaul Music Bar, we have a kind of history with that place. My there was a really nice bass store in there at one point. My brother's yeah. a double yeah. bass. It was a player. good concept, and there were a lot of neat stores in there. In yeah. fact, uh, that's really where cool. uh, Frank's Drum Shop ended up at, <laughs> at one point. Oh, a, for a short period a, of time, a, a reincarnation yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know anything more about that? Because yeah, I I don't know anything about. It. Um, the name by that time was owned by Drums Limited. Uh, so he did take over. Bill Crowden had <laughs> he got sold what he wanted, it, <laughs> and the people that bought it from Bill Crowden okay. had moved it. Yeah, and it was their second move was to the De- the basement of the DePaul Music Mart. Huh. Um, and I think that's where it went out of business. Is from there, but. I'd have to look up uh, sure <laughs> to trace that. It's really cool. But it's really cool. This, this is just mm-hmm. su- yeah. It's such a along along the way. Um, if I can do a brief segue, sure. Uh, I got a call from Maury Lashan. I, I after that buying that kit and other, all kinds of other gear throughout high school. We we started this relationship, and I was just astounded that I even knew this guy, let alone that he would take my calls because. He was the guy in charge. You go up there. He's the one barking <laughs> orders and, and so on and running it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if I called him from Michigan in a squeaky voice, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school junior, he'd always take my call and he'd ask me how the weather is. And he was just <laughs> the kindest man to me. Nice. And uh, so I, I go off to college. I'm back in business. I'm And it had been a decade since I'd heard from him. And I got a call from him. He had since retired. Uh, the business had been taken over by his son, and I think had even gone out of business. But he's retired in Florida. And he calls me out of the blue and says he wants to do a memoir, and he wants me to publish it. Mm. And he, he wants it out by PASIC in the fall. And this was in March or April. And I had no real experience in doing that kind of thing, but... I, I wasn't about to say no, so I, I immediately flew down to Florida with a tape recorder, and we sat and we looked through all his photo albums and and ran the tape while Maury and Jan, his wife, uh, told me their life story and the history of the drum shop. Yeah, and uh, it he wanted the book to finish with a, a kind of a tribute section to a lot of his the people who helped him along the way were good customers and and so on so he gave me a list of names and contact uh, information there was no email and so on of course this we're still back in the you know early 90s right uh so it, it wasn't like we had cell phones or scanners there were or like <laughs> there were like maybe 10 or 20 universities at that point yeah. that were hooked to the internet yeah that could send each other emails and they thought it was really cool i'd never heard of it by the <laughs> yeah. but, but uh anyhow he wanted their the the book to close with a page each for the people on this list and yeah. he, he wanted me to contact him and get a picture of them from the days when they knew him at the drum shop Hmm. and another picture updated it was as they look today and just a little 10 word uh thing about you know thanks maury for all you did for me so it was a who's who i was astounded i mean i was already blown away that Hmm, uh, growing up in alma michigan that i actually even knew maury lachan but now i was charged with contacting all these people and it was 
uh, Aldo Maza and John Beck and Vic Firth and Carmine Apice and on and on. I mean, there were dozens of Louis Belson, sure. uh, Ed Shaughnessy, on and on. And and everyone that I called and said, I'm working with Maury LaShawn, and immediately they'd break in. Maury was like a father to me. He's, I'll do anything for him. <laughs> so every single one of them was more than happy to ask, give me what I was asking for for the book. And it opened so many doors that, it, I mean, that, that changed my life. So, uh, so, Rob, this book that you're talking about, mm-hmm. the memoirs, yeah. where can I get it? It's it's available again now. It went out of print. It's called Frank's for the Memories. Okay. And you don't have any copies that you can uh, send not, our way. <laughs> oh, certainly. Yeah. I just recently actually. I'd, I'd order a bunch from you I right co- away. I converted <laughs> it to a print on demand recently. Okay. Sure. So it's available again. And now that it's in the Ingram system as a print on demand book, I can work at updating it it was done all in black and white uh but i have a lot of the the photos in color still yeah and for uh, virtually no charge when i get the time i'm gonna start working at updating the pages and adding more color yeah and we'll we'll buy a bunch of scanning if, the photos yeah and then we can even like, I, I haven't i want to put a couple mm-hmm. of the books on reverb but mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't done that. It's just it's a way to for people to buy things really easily. Yeah, I haven't yeah. done that yet. But maybe we can talk like whichever ones you think are the best to, that, sure. that we have. Sure. Yeah, the, you know, because sure. yeah, I think a lot yeah. of people would be really interested. These books are fantastic. Um, yeah. I have to say, I I probably think Leedy is maybe the company that I'm most fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, Ludwig Gretsch, Camco's up there too. George yep. Way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 after the, uh, the Franks for the Memories book, I think the next big project was the Ludwig book. I can't really remember now. Maybe that, that one. No, actually, earlier guess, version of that. I guess it was the Leedy book because I. This uh, you can't get uh, anymore, right? Nope, it's out of print. I and, like this one. Um, it's got. That's why I have it yeah, right here. I didn't. <laughs> this is actually one of my I favorite. didn't have as much control with that one, but that was one of my first efforts, and it was actually done by Centerstream Publishing, and okay. it was done the old-fashioned way. I just typed up the text and sent them handwritten notes on what pages, what pictures should be where, et cetera. But it's it, really it cool was book. again the day before, in the time before scanners, so uh, I didn't have the resolution and the the mo that I ended up with on. There's a new Leedy the, one, right? Right. It's called the Leedy Way. Right. Okay. And it's basically an updated version of of this book, and it follows the mo of uh, that I established with Slingerland Rogers and yeah. uh, Gretch. Where, These are yeah. they're really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, everybody. UG Leedy and his first shop. Yeah. So that would be in Indianapolis, I think. Yep. Yeah. And they. This is a. There's a a pile over there, in the back under the microphone. Oh, more books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then this is the new Leedy book. Oh, yeah, right here. So here we have this. That one, my dad. Oh, sorry, my dad was involved in. Yep. This one, probably Rogers. But then, yeah, I don't know if you want to hold this one up. Yeah, the Leedy so, Way. Does it really, have most of the same material? I haven't read it yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing really in the complete history of Leedy from Centerstream Publishing that's not included in the Leedy Way. Okay. And the the Leedy Way 
is yeah, I love these far more complete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Christmas at, at Lady Factory. Yeah, the way they were able to lay out the, uh, the greeting card in the days before Photoshop. Yeah, it's cool. But the Lady Way ended up kind of being my life's work in a lot of ways because it's got the complete biography of George as well as the complete history of the Leedy Drum Company hmm. with sections on George's company, the Advanced Drum Company, and Con, which was associated with uh, Leedy, of course, LNS Drums. What's Advanced Drum Company? Is that before that, George the, Way? Uh, that was George Way's company when he was in Canada. Uh, is this, like, what chronologically does that, is that, because didn't he, he worked for about every company. I think yeah, he worked with Rogers but, even but, for a while. But uh, before he started working for any companies, he was a show drummer. Okay. And he, he toured with uh, vaudeville acts, and he ended up being in the house orchestra. Didn't he do a lot of silent movies? too <laughs> no well he did some but that wasn't his main gig it was mainly i read uh, something live. in this book i think about him and his yeah uh, Ma mainly minstrel shows and touring yeah uh, i think i read about that and so on <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and the stories there in fact the book goes through <laughs> all of his touring days because i had i had access Ooh, this one's in color too yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had access to george's scrapbooks from yeah. his touring days. So we have a, a, a good narrative of his days on the road in his touring career. Yeah. But, but he ended up leaving the road and got married in Edmonton, Alberta to a Canadian woman. Okay. And was the house drummer. Bef of, this is before he worked for Leedy or any oh, of these yeah, companies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was the house drummer of the Pantages Theater in Edmonton. And hmm. he was basically gigging there and making drums on the side. And, and as the advanced drum company. He had a couple of partners that were experts in other areas. One was an electrician that did the plating and so on. But he was starting to really become a drum company of note in Canada and came to the attention actually of UG Leedy. Do you have any examples of his advanced drum company snare drums? Oh yeah, I don't own them, but I think Ron Danette does. And That's Joe cool. Montaneri probably has one. There, there are a few around. This uh, is this is really really cool. But uh, he he was buying parts, uh, strainers and assorted lugs and so on from UG Leedy. Yeah. And that's part of how he came to the attention of UG Leedy. But I have. And these were like the kind of the kings of drum yeah. manufacturing yeah. in America, yeah. in the U Americas UG Leedy was already hitting his stride. He, Leedy Manufacturing in Indianapolis was a huge concern when George was just getting started with Advance, but UG uh, recognized what George was doing, and I have a copy of the, <laughs> the letter. Actually, I think I have the original, where UG Leedy writes to George and says, hey, uh, I want to hire you, basically. That's that's how they used to do it. Yeah, they, yeah. your competition. What do you do with your competition? You hire them. Yeah. So, so George, <laughs> they're good. Uh, George made a trip all the way from Edmonton to Indianapolis, and they struck a deal, and uh, George went back to wrap things up in Edmonton and moved advance to Toronto, and his partner at the time, Albert Crochet, was left at the helm, hmm. and Joe, uh, George retained an interest in it, but he went to work for, for Leedy. So that's why... You've done so much name. research on yeah. George Wade. Do you think he was the type yeah. of person who, who worked well? Because he was an innovator. Mm -hmm. 
So he had a lot of ideas on things. Mm-hmm. Do you think he, when he moved from working in his own company, do you think he, what was it like for him, like working within a framework like Leedy? It was great. On? It was great. It, and so it worked out well. Yeah, for seven years. Uh, <laughs> th- it was, well, nine years. It was about 1921 when he was recruited by Leedy. And the next nine years were really the big heyday of Leedy. It's when the Leedy topics started. The, the little newsletter for drummers. Wait, so what year are we talking about here? Uh, this is 23, the topics were started. So at this point... 21, George went to work there. At this point, they're doing the, the a drum that would be contemporary, contemporaneous, would be like uh, the floating head model? That's a 30s, Not, actually. This is before that. This is like the... Well, I think probably by the late 20s. I'd have to look that up myself. Was but, it invented? That was, but, wasn't that a George Way innovation? Yeah, the float. Yeah. So he invented that. Yeah. And that this was yeah. like a new... Um, it was mostly the hoop. I think the shell was slightly yeah, small. Yeah, the, the double-flanged hoop. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, instead of just, you know, the single-flanged hoop is simply a metal band. Right. And just pushing down on that wooden... Uh, flesh hoop of the calf skin head right uh, so that the double flanged hoop uh, enabled you to uh, expand that that wooden flesh hoop out a little bit beyond the actual drum shell right right so it's thus, like a timpani thus, that's what they yeah, is with his yeah that's the floating head and right and not choking things off and and so on yeah but that kind of innovation yeah, George uh, had no problem working well with UG Leedy. They socialized. He often, he and his wife were often over for dinner at the the Leedy families. I yeah, was they for- got along. That's fortunate good. enough to meet uh, both daughters of UG Leedy that were both since passed away, but uh, they would tell me stories about the house guests at the Leedy household because they would have Ludwig Senior come to dinner they would have members of the zildjian family and so on anybody important that came to indianapolis hmm. whether it was a band leader or whatever so even the ludwigs and the lady got yeah. together yeah uh they they were working together also in fact because uh, I, I i is it true that mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt is oh. it true that um at one point i believe Ludwig wanted to make a metal shell and he approached Leedy about it and Leedy didn't think it was a good idea. So he, yeah. that kind of why he started his own yeah, company. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's about where I was uh, going to go with. Oh, okay. Uh, they, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, the Ludwigs had started their shop in, in Chicago making the pedal. I've read your books. Yeah. And, obviously. And, <laughs> and uh, there's a story about senior and the, the, the Tom Mills drum and, and the first metal drum that he played that he really liked. Right. And he had already been selling uh, Leedy This was drums. a German drum, yeah. Yeah, from... yeah the sonar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, there was an association. They were, they were already buying presumably parts and cymbals, but, but uh, Leedy drums and selling them at their shop in, in Chicago. And Senior... Uh, I've heard or read, I don't even remember where I got the information, but it's my understanding that uh, Senior implored U.G. Leedy to make him a brass drum, like this one that he had borrowed and was so enamored with. Sure. And uh, Ludwig, or Leedy's position was the only appropriate material for a drum is wood, and he wouldn't do it. 
So supposedly that's what motivated Senior to yeah. start making the metal shell drum. I mean, it definitely would have yeah. been a big tool, tool out to, to start making yeah. metal drums. Yeah, and especially if you didn't consider that to be appropriate. You know, sure. who wants to go into that? But <laughs> Sure. But uh, uh, anyhow. Yeah, they're uh, kind of conservative a little bit, the Leedy. Because yeah. also, hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I believe that the vibraphone was invented by Leedy. Yeah, yeah. But then and, other companies kind of yeah, copied and, it. <laughs> yeah, and the first ones, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Winterhoff, uh, had so many prototypes, I was told. It's in here somewhere. And I, I think it was uh, Leedy's son. I only met one of the two Leedy's sons, uh, Edwin or Hollis. Uh, up, he lived in northern Michigan, and I went up to visit him. And he told me that, that uh, Winterhoff had done numerous prototypes of the, the vibraphone, but they were all noisy. They clattered. Mm. Uh, the motors were noisy, the belts, the, the, all the moving parts. And UG yeah. got so disgusted with it, he pretty much washed his hands of it. And by the time they finally got a working prototype that wasn't noisy and was working, they didn't bother to patent it. So that opened it up for other people to right. to develop. Yeah. That's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the vibraphone. What an instrument! I love this picture right here too. Everyone can see. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the the spiderweb yeah. uh, girl. Uh, that's yeah. I yeah. I've always thought that was just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> the ship here, and then yeah. you got yeah those those painted. I think it says in here that the. The cost was slightly different depending on how much work went into. <laughs> yeah, they painted them by yeah. hand, though I think. Yeah, each, each individual yep. one. This yep. bass drum, actually. I think there's pictures in uh, the Leedy way of uh, one of those artists at work. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But. That's very cool. Oh, oh, nice. But yeah, anyhow. we'll have to look at it. Yeah, I haven't even. I'm so busy. Yeah, I haven't even really. <laughs> I've looked through it a little bit, but I haven't read the whole thing in. Mm. But yeah, Leedy was always one of my uh, favorite companies. Just the the drums are so beautiful too. Yeah. Everything is always, I mean, the, the name is still out there. Maybe you can work a deal with, uh, Fred Gretchen, get, yeah. get Leedy going. Gretchen. Again. <laughs> my, my, my dad has done a couple little things with him. Uh, yeah. it just, it never, never really it, turned into well, the, the name is, is still active. And Fred, <laughs> Fred acquired it when he acquired Slingerland because right. the Leedy name went to Slingerland when. Uh, you know, Leedy and Ludwig under the the Khan auspices was sold off by Khan. There's a drum I have to show and to you. Ludwig went to the Ludwig family. And Leedy went to the Slingerland company. Right. And it stayed with Slingerland through all of its changes until Fred Gretsch ended up with Slingerland dash Leedy. Famously sold Slingerland to Gibson, and now it's with D.W. Of course. Right. But he retained Leedy. Um, so, uh, so he owns the name, mm -hmm. but then Gretsch is still actually involved with DW. So honestly, if anyone's going to do that at this point, it should probably be DW. They, they can work with him and, and cause they're, they're yeah. going to probably eventually do something with Slingerland, which would be yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many different cool companies. What yeah. about, uh, I don't think you've ever made a Camco book. Have you? It's in here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. With uh, oh, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that grew out of uh, George's legacy, uh, it, which is kind of a cool story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the George Way uh, drums that he that he started in Elkhart. Right. Uh, there, there's 
quite a story behind that. Uh, but when it went out, it was basically the rug was pulled out from under him. Sure. Uh, and uh, he had <clears throat> incorporated to get it started and sold stock and he ended up being the minority stockholder and getting fired. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so John Rashan at uh, the Campco Screw Machine Company, who was a, a vendor for George at George Way Drums, ended up owning it. He's the guy that fired George, right? but he's the guy responsible for the Campco Drum Company. I'm curious, how, how did you first come into contact with George Way yeah, and, and uh, what he had done? Yeah. And that, that kind of fired my journey along. Uh, it was another life-changing event, not almost as life-changing as Maury contacting me and putting me in touch with all these these wonderful people that he did. But um, I somehow, probably through John's newspaper, I'm sure it was through Not So Modern Drummer, there was a George Way drum kit for sale in Mishawaka, which is the hometown of Remo Belly also. And I... I uh, Remo was a friend of mine and uh, was always very sympathetic to my uh, my efforts and I would always visit with him at trade shows and so on but I, I went down to Mishawaka and I bought the the George Way drum kit and the guy I bought it from was a George Way drum fan he showed me a couple of marching drums and he had another kit and I'd never heard of George Way drums before yeah. But uh, he was telling me about George Way drums and told me that there was a fellow in Elkhart who had a bunch of George Way pencils and catalogs and so on. So, and he gave me his name and number. His name was Bob Kane. And Bob Kane was a retired vice president of Khan. Uh, hmm. And I called him and made an appointment and uh, he was kind of an old school music executive. He didn't smile much. He was pretty stern. It, you always, you weren't sure if you were getting through or making contact. Um, sure. I, I went to visit him, and he did give me a pencil. Didn't and it, wear his emotions on his sleeve. Right. <laughs> and uh, he he gave me a George Way catalog. He showed me his collection of uh, circus posters. And then he started showing me boxes of stuff, all these uh, old photographs and sales records and, and so on, and drum catalogs. And it turns out uh, George Way's last business, GHW Drummer Supplies, uh, had been purchased by this Bob Kane after George died. And he got not only the business, but he got all of George's personal effects because George had had left a, a widow in poor health who returned to Canada, left all that stuff there, and it became part of GHW. Hmm. So everything from George's birth certificate and his adoption papers and his marriage license, the... the uh, receipts from his burial his car keys his wristband his keys ties uh, and papers just a, a trove of papers because his wife had graduated from a business school and kind of became his business secretary and wrote all of his correspondence many files of correspondence with all kinds of people 
that had not only a copy of the letter that he had sent to the recipient, but stapled to their return and so on. So you can trace uh, some some correspondence threads for you know three years over in that big folder. Hmm. Uh, but and then all these catalogs uh, from way before Advanced Drum Company, even the Excelsior Company, and so on. Uh, and then, of course, uh, catalogs throughout the teens, twenties, thirties, and is that him right there? Uh, that's looks kind of like George. No, but probably not. Nope, neither one. Yeah, they, no. but that is his company. So the advance yeah. that kind of mm-hmm. turned into the Leedy Log later. Yeah, which yep. So it was also actually that doesn't look like it has the what do they call it the the thing that makes the, it so the aligning thing, yeah, yeah. self-aligning. Yeah, yeah they, they do point. have inserts. That, so that, that that's not all one piece. That that's an insert that goes into wow. the lug. So we'll put a it, picture up for everybody. That, so that is one of the, the the first self-aligning lug. Yeah. So he, I mean, of all people in history, he's maybe the yeah. the most kind of influential and unknown person. Yeah. Both. Yeah. In in kind yeah. of yeah. But drums and American uh, drums and it was a huge <clears throat> jigsaw puzzle getting all of this treasure trove of documents uh, to make that long story longer. I kept going back to Elkhart to borrow things from Bob Kane, and finally he said, uh, "I'll sell it all to you. You know what do you think it's worth?" And I, I we worked out a deal. I bought it all. It was the equivalent of probably two four drawer filing cabinets full of all these photographs and sales records and so on and letters and I started assembling George's story at that time and so that was you know what 91 92 and it it took me a long time to put his whole story together but that's what the lady way is uh, very and, cool but it was also the train the, wreck yeah. <laughs> you got in a train accident yep, yep. he oh was my. in a train wreck he was on a, in a, a riverboat wreck uh, he, he he was never actually in a fire but he certainly knew people that survived circus tent fires and yeah uh, a lot, lot more fires back then the the safety <laughs> if you look at some of the things they did it's kind of ridiculous yeah but yeah, it was he always a, had those cool ties. Those really yeah. short, kind of forties yeah. style. They look really. like something a comedian would wear now. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. kind of cool. But that kind of inspired me. It was getting all those uh, those documents of George's, and it kind of led to the development of his story and and the the genesis of doing books on the companies. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. So this was the well, this was really pretty much the second yeah one you did and yeah. wow this one you worked with my dad on a little bit my yeah. dad's out of town yeah. he probably would have come and done yeah. the podcast yeah. with us but he's actually in nashville right now ah. just happened ah. to, to do yep. that i've never frankly been that much of a of a gretch guy i wasn't a gretch sure. dealer in the day my dad started and, the same uh, way funny enough yeah. he he always liked rogers the best yeah when he was really young, but then later but he got a grudge. <laughs> I didn't really know the story, and I hadn't personally handled the drums, so I, I went to John Sheridan and Lee Ruff for assistance in uh, putting the Gretsch drum book together, yeah. and, and of course your dad. Uh, but John and Lee have handled you know, just so many hundreds of the drums, and uh, 
they opened uh, some other doors with other experts along the way. But, but yeah, so that was kind of a group project. I definitely needed a lot of help, but it, it came together. <clears throat> yeah, this, uh, this is a good one. It has a bunch of those Caddy Green kits, and we were just talking mm -hmm. about the Cameo Coral kit, which by the time this goes mm -hmm. up, everyone will have been able to get a picture of. Yeah, pretty, pretty remarkable thing. <laughs> There's the Grinch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gave me a bunch of pins. That's what. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, they, it's all amazing stuff. This one is actually really of interest to me because I yep. actually use these heads sometimes. Yep. I think I'm, they sound cool. I'm <laughs> in the not too distant future going to be redoing that as a uh, print on demand book. And when did you write this one? Uh, I don't know. It might have a. It probably got a copyright date in the at the beginning. You know what's a really funny uh, thing? So Ludwig, this building, I used mm -hmm. to live right next to this building and only a very, very small portion of this building remains about maybe five or 10%. Wow. The rest of it was demolished. Wow. Um, it's really interesting. Because I used to live in Chicago and I used to bike. You were talking about athleticism and all that fun stuff. I'm trying to become, <laughs> become less fat now. I'm trying to lose weight because I, you know, it's it's a good thing to do. I used to be really good shape though. I used to be a huge biker. I lived in Chicago for about ten years and I biked everywhere I went. And on Elston, this building, yeah, it's their their drum head. I'm ninety nine percent sure. It, it a very like a sliver of it remains. I think so. I think you're right. You know uh, what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, actually I do because Ashland uh, and Fullerton and John, Elston. John Gherkin took me there. Yeah. Uh, John Gherkin was a <laughs> an cool. engineer for Ludwig, and uh, it's a theater place now. That. It's a theater. There. There's huh. like a theater workshop there or something. Yeah. And the tracks, the train tracks, are right next to it. I think mm -hmm. they may have actually demolished it to expand the train tracks. Huh. Um, but yeah, kind of a cool little thing there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I used to bike past that every day. And there's wow. also right across from it, Horween leather tannery still huh. to this day exists. Wow. And it smells terrible. Yeah. Cause I lived a block away and oh, if the man. wind's going in the right direction, when they have the hides, I think they have to let yeah. them rot before they pull the, yeah. a little bit before they pull the, like, it smells so bad. Hollis Leedy that I referred to, to that Yuji uh, <laughs> Leedy's son that used to live up in northern Michigan used to work at the Leedy factory over the summers, and he was assigned to the tannery. It's probably and, not the best and, job. <laughs> and it was unbelievable. He said the stench, and <laughs> it was all he could do to to even be in there without you know Just losing vomiting. his breakfast <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and this very first day there they take a lunch break and all these workmen pull out their bag lunches and start eating and he was just appalled <laughs> you get used to it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean in chicago back then this wasn't un unusual you like because it still to this day there's all these industrial corridors where you can smell the old smells of the city hmm. it'll be like You'll go past like a real nasty like chemical plant and it'll yeah. be like, oh, that's gross. And then the next one is like a, a uh, you know, a tannery. And then, oh, geez, <laughs> it's like one smell after another. But most of those businesses are gone. They've all been turned into condo condominiums. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, on the south side, it used to be the the meat packing. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't even notice it back then because I think the whole city was just. Oh, can you imagine? And probably open sewage and. <laughs> yeah, these are those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been pretty good about sewage. We we did early on. They reversed the flow of uh, the 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 river, and that was hmm. huge. Yeah, that, that was one of the most incredible projects. You know the the Chicago River. Oh, used with to, by by putting in uh, like uh, locks. Kind it used of, to uh, flow into Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. and they connected it so that now all the water from Chicagoland all flows to the Mississippi. Oh, huh. that's, and they did that in, I think they did it in like 1895 or something. They did it a long hmm. time ago. It was huh. one of the earliest, you know, projects of sanitation, huh. enormous projects, but yeah, frozen hides. I mean, yeah, each one of those is, that, that's amazing though. Yeah. Uh-huh. Capskin has, but what do you think? Do, do you think they have a, a, I mean, this is about like the kind of just the, the history mm-hmm. of it. Orchestral guys really love them because mm-hmm. they, they're quiet. They're quiet and mellow and, there's a different feel. There's definitely a press rolls, a feel. Yeah. Feel, uh, yeah. Just the feel of wood on leather is hard to explain. Right. But uh, like wear leather shoes. It's, it's kind it's of a warm, to shoes. Yeah. a warm feeling. Uh, the sure. rebound is good. I there, there there's always going to be a place for it. And and some some pop guys. <laughs> I know. I I used to sell a lot of calf to Bernie Dressel when he was with uh, uh, Brian Setzer. Like old they, old heads, you just no new calfskin heads. Uh, oh. Yeah, um, and there's there's still some sources for them. In fact, there's going to be stern stern heads. You talking about? Um, I yeah those I was selling. We use those a lot. Yeah. I was selling uh, actually Polanski heads, United Rawhide, which became stern. Okay. Uh, when uh, uh, Polanski retired, is that Armwako? Armarako? No, it was United Amarako. Rawhide. Okay, different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was Amrocco and Worko and United Rawhide, and uh, there were a bunch of them, and mostly in the Chicago area. Right. But now <laughs> the whole city there's like... still a bunch of them out there. There's Stern, <laughs> and uh, well, they're all listed in the the Calfskin Headbook. Sure. But, and and some big ones overseas. But at next year's drum show, the 2023 show, we're going to have an exhibitor of a new Calfskin company. He's from I think Austria. Oh, um, oh, it, we we have heads. we have his heads. Yeah, Austrian mm-hmm. head. He came to the drum show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hans. Yeah, he's going to be exhibiting next year. Very nice. Show. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we're going to stock a couple of his heads. I have oh, cool. If you want to try him out, I have him. I should try to locate him near yeah. your booth uh, so you're in the same vicinity he, at the show. He shipped me some heads after, right after the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a really cool guy. He bought uh, maybe 26-inch bass drum and then needed a mm. box to ship it back to Austria. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, so we gave him a box. <laughs> but it wasn't packed that well. But he, uh, yeah. he it got there in one piece. So. Good, good. Yeah, he had a great yeah. experience. It was right. it was fantastic to see some people from other countries because yeah, last year there weren't too many. Yeah, very little travel, and I was but surprised at least we had it that all. <laughs> we had any Japanese. Uh, yeah, I have a, a friend that's a, a, a trade interpreter, Japanese to English, and she's a actually a Japanese citizen, but lives in this country. So she returns for health care and everything, but it's still... That must be the, annoying. The quarant- <laughs> go see your doctor. Yeah, <laughs> the quarantines and so on, it, it's made her travel very difficult. And I had a couple Jeez. of exhibitors that do so much with the Japanese and the Brits at the show that 
they were worried that there would be none of those people there, so they didn't come to the the 2022 show. But it, it's opening up a bit. I think 2023 yeah. will be more uh, more travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's fantastic. The I mean, just a couple more people, and the next year it'll be a couple more, and the next year yeah. it'll be a couple more, and we'll. Because yeah. I I love seeing people from different places yeah. and just kind of maybe talking yeah. with them for a while, yeah. learning what they appreciate. I don't, I don't think music. And, you know, there'll ever be another show that's exactly like any of the shows that people remember. People talk about a new normal and so on, but yeah. I, I think there will be shows that in many ways will be better than any of the prior shows, Yeah, well, but well, every show is going to be different. So maximum know? people that came was probably right before it was at the highest number yeah. ever got to. Yeah, yeah, and probably... That was uh, in Villa Park. Yeah, 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 at the uh, at the Odeon. Um, Do you miss the having it next to the guitar show? It was kind of cool. Yeah, it it had its advantages, but no, I don't think it was a really big draw. And our long-term plan was to expand into both sides and use the whole venue for a drum show. Isn't that venue, uh, is that going away? Yep. Oh, okay. It may even be gone now. Uh, Yeah. Tran- it changed hands at the end of May 2022. Right. And it's pro- it was a trucking company that bought it, and it's not clear to me if they were going to repurpose it or level it. it it's, it's a strategic property yeah. geographically near, near a bunch of highways in the airport and everything. Right. Yeah. So for a trucking company to own it, I'm thinking they're Turn probably going to... Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what it was anyways. It seems like they were paying to park there yeah exactly yeah. they already had uh, uh links to a lot of those guys and they were yeah. parking their big rigs out and back for extended rental storage periods and stuff right yeah, yeah. that's interesting but i mean but, yeah the kane county is a little uh a little nicer maybe yeah almost overwhelming consensus of moving back from a production yeah. standpoint uh the odium was nicer I, and I'm speaking strictly as the show's producer in terms of facilitating sure. putting on a show, having the pipe and drape already there, being able to ship stuff directly to it and having forklifts there and, and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, Kane County is more like renting a VFW hall. It's just a blank slate. Sure, sure. <laughs> they give us the key, say, here you go. You leave it like exactly like this when you move out, and we're all good. <laughs> yeah. So, so what some of the silver linings are, we don't have a, uh, a fire marshal tapping his foot and saying, hey, you can't put that piece of tape there. That needs a union guy, to, oh, an sure. electrician, and all that. But uh, we have to do our own security and... Uh, uh, so it's a little more work, but yeah. the the community in general, the downtown area of St. Charles, and and the environment is so much nicer. It's, yeah, it's really beautiful out here. It's, right? it's really a destination. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, uh, I I liked them both. I mean, honestly, they were mm-hmm. both great. But I, I liked the bar actually. At the yeah. <laughs> they had a nice little yeah. bar there that it, and that was, was quiet such, up there. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. It was removed from the the noise <laughs> of the show and and. We could do special things like have a, a jazz quartet in there and yeah, uh, yeah. and have a, somebody displaying. A, you know, I had a couple of exhibitors that would supply drums and cymbals for use up there and sure. then having the clinic room up there. There were a lot of things about it that were very nice. But And this is the uh, one, yeah, the, the Odium was called? Odium. Yeah, yeah. Odium. Yeah. It, it, it was nice. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> we, we look forward to... Uh, 
uh, some wonderful things happening at Kane County. Uh, <laughs> the first, what, eight years? I don't know exactly how many years we were there. We were in kind of a primitive these are the years barn. I remember yeah. most. Yeah, from. Do you remember yeah. the old barn, the old steel barn? You must have been really small then. It's called Trades One, and it was the first of three buildings we were at at Kane County, and actually they've refurbished it now, so it's not primitive. It's got uh, HVAC and lighting and a polished floor. Yeah, if, if it's still and, there, because I yeah, remember that. The, that's going to be our clinic yeah. building next year. Oh, very nice. So yeah. we're going back to a the little bit. The clinics were just, it was like, there was nothing to draw people into them. That was maybe right. the only, because you have to go up the elevator. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, at the Odium, you mean? Actually, uh, I'm thinking even the, the last one. The Oh, at Kane County, yeah, the upstairs. Yeah, yeah, that that room is it's just a conference room, and we used right, to right. use it back in the day for master classes. Yeah, and, and we had the clinics down in the exhibitor area. Right, I remember that. And yeah, that, that uh, it, it was worked. annoying to the other exhibitors, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah, and exhibitors that I, I sympathized <laughs> with them because they're paying for sure uh, to, for. 16 hours of exhibit time and we're telling them to be quiet for six hours right right yeah and yeah. I, I could see where they they resent that but we had to have it quiet during clinics sure so uh when we came back to kane county we had them upstairs on a very small scale and it was largely due to covid because we couldn't uh yeah large groups of people and so on sure so we just made it more of a presentation than a clinic yeah, and and smaller scale, not not the big names that we're going to draw several hundred people and and all that. Right. Uh, but but next year we're going to go back to a little bit larger format clinic where we've got a stage and AV support. Do you, and, do you remember yeah. that room that was kind of all surrounded by glass? Uh, well, it was just it was glass windows that. Um, I think I saw Cindy Blackman and Joel Spencer do. A, oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, that was Robinson Hall. That yeah. was that's probably my yeah. favorite of all the places yeah. so far. Yeah, <laughs> those are the ones I yep. remember. We, we even out, Hannah Hannah we Ford outgrew, did one. Yep, there. We, out, <laughs> we outgrew Trades One, and yeah. then the second uh, venue at Kane County was Robinson Hall. Yeah, and Robinson Hall was nice because you walked down a long hall to what the fairgrounds people called the dining room. And like you say, there's windows all the way around, uh, right. which kind of opened it up. That's but, like right when you drive in. Yeah. It's right yeah. in that spot. Yeah. yeah. So we'd have to kind of uh, <laughs> drape the windows that are cut down in the light so we could yeah, get yeah. some stage lighting and so on. But sure. yeah, you're right. Cindy Blackman. And, that was a cool, uh, I was just, I've, and, I always liked it in there because it was yeah. kind of isolated from the rest of the show. Yeah. But then it was really easy to get to. But yep. is that, that's not where they're going to be next year. It's, no. Nope, it's a it's across the gravel parking lot uh, oh, yeah. from from that. Uh, if you think of a big U with uh, the bottom of the U being the building where we were this last year, yeah, and Robinson Hall being the upright, then the other upright is Trades One where we're going to be. Good deal. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a couple pictures of that. that you got you any names you can say who might be? Uh, yeah, this won't be released for probably another month, yeah. maybe uh, three Paul, weeks. So. Paul Wordico is a definite. Oh, good deal. Uh, and <laughs> I saw uh, him at the uh, this year. It was it was great. There, yeah. there were some maybes. Uh, uh, 
Who else is a definite in there? And I'm blanking out on it. I'll spit them out in about 10 minutes when they pop into my mouth. Sure. But one of the maybes. If we remember, we'll just, we'll put it up on the screen for those. One of the maybes that I'm really hoping works out is uh, uh, the return of Bermuda Schwartz, John Schwartz. Okay. Uh, And that depends entirely on uh, the touring schedule of Weird Al, uh, whether he can make it. But I'm hoping he can make it because uh, uh, one of the main reasons is He's such a symbol expert, and I, um, hmm. I'm going in the direction of a symbol project as far as the next Rebeats book. And uh, John has so many symbols he wants to clear out. If he can make it to the show, he's going to drive cross-country with a van and bring a bunch of Where's his he from? symbols. L.A. Oh, okay, L.A., yeah, yeah. that's a drive. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to drive to the West Coast. Have you ever done yeah. that before? No. no. What, what do you think? Would that be fun? I think so. Or take a train. Someday. Yeah, yeah, train might be better. That way you can not, you know, almost die because you fall asleep when you're driving. (laughs) My my former Electro Voice rep back in the day had worked on the railroad many decades earlier, and he uh, also repped some electronics companies. So when it came to January, he would always take a train to uh, Las Vegas and do the CES show and then continue by train to Anaheim and yeah. do the NAM show. Sure. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, he, had a, he had a scanner so we could listen to the conductor and the yeah. red brakeman and everything. We live in such a big country. Yeah. It's there's so much to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, if, if anyone's just feeling depressed and bored, if you have the ability, try and go on a little vacation. I've got two little kids yeah. right now, so right now I'm really thinking more about trying to save money for college and yep. buy a house yep <laughs> but but if i could do anything i'd probably yeah go on maybe either a drive or a, yeah. a train the train idea is a good idea yeah you gotta maybe pay for the bigger cabin though yeah if you can afford it you could spend some time with the kids that Save way too up. without yelling over the back seat and <laughs> sure <laughs> i told you we'd stop in 20 miles and <laughs> yeah 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 with the the kids, yeah. So you've got you've got one one kid, right? Yeah. What's his name? My boy William. Awesome. Or How William. old is he now? He's going to be forty in uh, about another year and a half. Okay, he's a little older than me, but yeah, 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 just about the same age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Very uh, very cool. I think we we hit on a lot of stuff, Rob. The the uh, the show. I mean, yeah, like yeah. where it came from, where it's going, and yeah, I mean, any any yeah. other. Maybe more about rebeats. Tell me more about rebeats, like mm-hmm. um, how how people can get these books because they're they're really they're really incredible. Mm-hmm. Maybe even do, is there any way people can listen to these books on? Because that might be an idea. Because yeah. the not yet there are there are digital versions uh, as far as ebooks, uh, both through sure. uh, Hudson. The and pictures are a big so part on. of them. Yeah. Uh, Hudson has uh, a bunch of them, and I think there are some through uh, Ingram sure, <laughs> uh, and National Book Network. But uh, as far as individual copies, uh, and some of them have gone out of print, and some I'm bringing back as print-on-demand. Sure. But uh, the Rebeats site is the best place to start, just rebeats.com. And that gives the uh, that there's a link to the drum show page, of course, the Chicago Drum Show, or yeah. you can go directly to chicagodrumshow.com. But if you start at the Rebeats page and page and click on books, 
Then there are all of the Rebeats books and also a few other books from other publishers that I uh, resell at retail. Um, but uh, um, other places, I, I list a lot of them on eBay and Reverb, but uh, probably the most complete listing is at the Rebeats uh, website. Yeah, yeah. This book right here, this one, uh -huh. is it still available? Nope. Uh, Drum Colors is no longer available now, but that's another one that is on my radar as far as doing a print-on-demand. If there's one uh, ubiquitous book that pretty much every drum shop should have, I would actually maybe... What about cause what about you? I would say maybe it's this one. Because uh, like they, drum sets come in, and they're like, oh, what's the finish? And yeah. then this is where you go. <laughs> yeah. And now that I've done color sections in, I mean, that, yeah, it's all uh, this stuff. <laughs> a lot of these these other books, uh, Gretsch, the Leedy Way, even the Slingerland book, were done after that, and they all have color sections in, like right, Gretsch, right. but they're more complete and updated. So yeah. what I'm going to do is update drum colors by using the color sections of these various books very nice and other updates so that that one is going to be coming in a much improved uh that would be amazing yeah. on demand this one's yeah because this one is just so you know not every shop can stock every book like we have but, yeah but when you know they're just looking for a quick reference to what even if because yeah people mm -hmm. they get a drum set they want to sell it they buy it from somebody what do i call this finish exactly what's the, what's the correct name yeah Ab abalone. Yep. Did, you say, did you say abalone or abalone? I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I, I would say abalone, but yeah. uh, I've heard it both ways. So I don't think there's a wrong way to, right. to say it. Then you got la lavender. What, what is it? This is, I think this is, no, that, not Ludwig though. Slingerland has the most colors. This, this one, Rob, have you... If you ever see uh, the Aztec any of any kit that's in Aztec, okay. I don't even really care. It's probably yeah. going to be a 22, 12, 13, 16. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they, that's were, in they good were shape. out there. I, I never ordered I one in, but the, the Aztec finishes were uh, current when I was a Slingerland dealer. So, it's super rare. Right? I, I couldn't see ordering one in because I didn't think I could be able to sell it. I don't think I could sell it either if it was new, <laughs> but it's just so cool because it's... it's uh, it's vintage, yeah. It's, it's yeah. very. It's one of those finishes that you really have to fall in love with. Yeah. Some of these, like the sparkling, I, I don't know. Yeah, Slingerland seems like they did the same thing with finishes that they did mm -hmm. with uh, snare mechanisms. There's about mm -hmm. eight thousand of them. <laughs> they they yeah. just they never. Gretsch, on the other hand, seems like the company that they just kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And then the other ones are, you know. You know, a funny aside <laughs> on, on Slingerland colors. Maury LaShawn told me once that Slingerland was the worst at sending drum kits to them at Frank's that didn't all match. Oh, really? There'd, there'd be different shades of blue sparkle and stuff. Right. And they'd always, it happened so frequently that they would take drums that didn't quite match and set them aside. And every now and then they'd send a whole carload of drums back to the Slingerland factory oh my with them. And one time after Maury had done that, <laughs> the person that ran the the uh, Aaron came back and said, you know, Bud, Bud wants you to call him. And he called Bud to discuss the problem with these colors. 
And and Bud says, well, I'm not going to argue with you about it, Maury, because I'm colorblind. But and, <laughs> and that, that explained a lot to Maury. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This makes more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think they were mixing up uh, like sparkle and glitter? No, I think it's just different batches of purlin that weren't being this real is, consistent, and they were they were not being careful enough to make whole kits out of the same batches of, of material that they got in. Does it look right? Oh yeah, there's your coral. Actually, uh, this is the cameo coral. Considering for everybody. this book was done uh, with separations, in other words the printing process on this, it had to go through the press four times, one for each of the RGB right. B, uh, inks. Right. So, and then the registration had to be done. So there's a lot of ways for this color to be a little bit off, but it, it puts you in the ballpark anyhow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty close. I was assuming it would be a little more kind of white. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I was assuming like almost vanilla. But yeah, Copper Mist, Cadillac Green, and now Cameo Coral. And then in the, in, yeah, very, very cool. This is a great book though. And when, when, you. when do you think you'll be coming out with the new one? Oh boy, not right away. I, I wouldn't think until next year. So I, very cool uh, book though. That would be, I I'm, think I'm doing a, a revised and updated every shop should uh, have. <laughs> lady drum topics. And no then, one can have this Store copy. <laughs> getting into the symbol project. So sure. th- these two updates are a little bit farther down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there are there are some kind of yeah finishes that aren't in here that are much more mm-hmm. just we're only around for a year or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. That said, now you've got the wheels turning. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> I since that some of these others are more long term projects that are going to keep me busy for eight months. Maybe I should just. It would only take if you have the four, pictures. Yeah, four it's or easy. five days to go ahead and do Honestly, it. Honestly, I'd buy a bunch. So <laughs> I'd buy ten or twenty of them. Yeah. yeah. They're really, really nice. That would be one great to list. Yeah. And then I could even do a video about it. Just say, hey, guys, if you if you want yeah. just one book for all the companies to figure out which finish it is, yeah. this is the one. Yeah. And you can at least, you know, when you list it to try and sell it or something, yeah, yeah you can at least yeah. put the right name on it. Because, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone has a different name. And speaking of networking <laughs> and working together on projects, I now that I think about it, on the drive over here, I was thinking um, – with your podcast set up and the the uh, the yeah. way it's really starting to take off, yeah, you're welcome to consider doing something at next year's show. Since we're going to be back to a fuller format clinic area, sure, we're going to have the clinic stage going. You might want to consider bringing over a couple of mics, set a table on the clinic stage. That would be stage, great. And you I could, could bring this table. You could do It's really light. I made it myself. You could do a <laughs> live, the legs on it. live from the Chicago show hey. podcast. Yeah, let's do it. And and hype it a little bit before, and we'll we'll put it in the program. We'll list the clinics, and one of them will be the, yeah, the Maxwell podcast live. And It's a great idea. We, we'll think of a topic. and it, Assuming we have as much guys as we have now, I could probably spend maybe six hours of, of each day devoted to that, mm-hmm. maybe like four to six hours. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk to you. I could talk to anyone who's at the show, anyone who shows mm-hmm. up randomly. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I could, I could even this table, like I said, is, well, they have tables there. I could yeah. just, uh, pull the, pull the mics out. It's yeah. kind of a mobile setup though. Yeah. yeah. I've got my, 
my uh, audio rig. But yeah, absolutely. It's a great idea, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, if you've got, do you have a spot where it would be, um, you know, relatively quiet? So that... No, I'm thinking of doing it right on the clinic stage. So okay. it's almost an interactive thing where... Yeah, man. <laughs> there would be a little bit of background noise, but if, if we were this close to the mic... Yeah, just get nice and... <laughs> maybe we could work with that. And, sure. And if it's a topic where, you know, you're basically the MC, and uh, I'm just thinking out loud because we sure. want to get some kind of topic where people know that at uh, 10 a.m., the Maxwell podcast on the clinic stage is going to be talking to XYZ about such a maybe you could sure. talk to the Austrian guy about calfskin heads and so do so you want on. do you want it to be so that not only are we broadcasting but we're also amplified well so people can you could hear even it be, be editing and do the thing later and, and sure, then, sure. then when you release it it's the podcast done live from the Chicago drum show yeah, uh, yeah. but but yeah we could give a feed to the uh, my front of house guy and he could put it Right there, so there are people in the audience that are interested in the topic we've advertised. You're going to be, I, yeah, I'm totally up for it. I've that. got yeah. I've got eight channels on this thing, so mm -hmm. these are probably my nicest mics, but I've got mm -hmm. tons of others, so I could set yeah. it up so you could have up to eight people chatting, <laughs> chatting yeah. away, yeah, about random. Yeah, we could even do a panel, <laughs> a moderated uh, panel. But if you want to do that, Rob, man, I mean, I've been coming to the show for so long. I would be happy to to be a mm -hmm. part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I, I'd have to talk to my dad. I'd be like, hey, so me and Rob are going to set this up. It's going to be a little bit of work for me, but yeah, yeah well, I'd be totally I'll, up I'll for it. I'll copy <laughs> him on any, I'll, I'll continue the wheels working. And if I come up with yeah. any direction or, or schemes, <laughs> I'll run them by it and see if we're yeah. bound to hit something that'll work. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's definitely do it. Cause yeah, the stuff that's on, uh, on, on our, you know, like I do walkthroughs usually at the show. Yeah. And people yeah. love those. Yeah. They love the walkthroughs. So yeah. if I could do something where we'll, we'll also do that, but then people could actually come and kind of talk. That'd be or, a great way yeah. to work into with, the, with the, the background ambience. Yeah. Of the show. And with the podcast <laughs> yeah. that you release edited, you could cut in some of that. We could even, do you want to just set it up as a booth? Just have like, this is a booth. It like next right next to where the the they're doing the thing whatever you want to do that yeah. that way we wouldn't have to <laughs> take it put it on the stage and then take it down from the stage for a clinic and so on and i'm gonna have yeah. some booths over there it's gonna just go there whenever you want yeah. just yeah yeah it'll kind of just be rolling because it's digital you don't have to have yeah. reels or anything <laughs> yeah yeah man we, we could totally do that yeah this is my cool. my mobile thing there i think yeah. we um yeah Rob, we we pretty much hit hit just about everything is there anything else you wanted to go go into uh before we because we can we you know we can keep talking but <laughs> before we sign off yeah. at least on the <clears throat> nope i'll get hit yards most of... down the street and then i'll think Why yeah didn't i <laughs> we can do another one later make a list yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. yeah well hey it sounds like we're, we're set it up already yeah when when at the show yeah anything yeah. you want to talk about next time we'll just yeah You'll do the show. I mean, if you just kind of had the show kind of going on in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and, but it'll be perfect over there because I'm, I'm yeah. going to put in about 15 booths around the perimeter, and it's going to be a quiet area only. Sure. Um, 
So, uh, but it won't be like dead quiet. There will be some ambient noise. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think you could deal with that, and it would almost be good to have a little bit of ambient noise. But they might be for setting sure. up for the next clinic or something. But, but yeah, in a booth in that area, you could go all day, except during the actual yeah. clinic itself or something. But, we, we always bring the truck. We always have the truck. So if you wanted, I, I could bring a setup. I could essentially, I mean, I might even not bring this table. I'll probably just mm. bring like a smaller table yeah. and put a tablecloth on it just because it'd be less of a pain. And yeah. then uh, basically just have like, I don't know, like five or six mics. Yeah. I got my little setup there. I can just leave it there the whole yeah. the whole show. I'll totally do that. That'll be That'll yeah. be great. Yeah. It's a fantastic idea. That'd be good for both of us. Who, who's the guy who does the, he, he's done a lot of the video stuff. The oh, Jim Messina. Jim Messina. Okay, cool. Is he, is he going to be doing stuff? I don't want to get in his way. <laughs> I, I need to touch base with him because. Was he, he there last year? No. Oh, uh, okay. Nope. He hasn't been around. I don't even know if he was in 2019. He yeah. Had a, he had a regular booth space for the. 16 and 17 maybe even 18 but i don't think he came in 2019 i think he sure. relocated from this area to florida or something oh okay but i'll touch base with him and see well yeah i don't want to get in his way if he yeah. comes but yeah the, it, but it, his did, wasn't really a podcast type yeah. it was more of a youtube videos yeah yeah and just yeah. kind of uh interview and walkthrough i guess yeah, yeah podcasts are a little different than just straight ahead interviews yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but but I thought it's really cool stuff. If, if he is still going, that'd be even better yet because he could we could give him a, yeah. a booth right next to you. Yeah, definitely. We could both be going. And, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Even yeah, he could use my stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah, we yeah. kind of use our, our all of our great uh, technical yeah. <laughs> technical knowledge to create yeah. the best, uh, yeah. most entertaining product for all of you listeners out there <laughs> but yeah thanks for listening everybody yeah big plans for the next uh next drum show and yeah we've had yeah. rob rob cook here well thank you so much steve this is uh not only for the opportunity to visit with you here with the microphones but uh giving me a chance to see your whole facility here this is just remarkable and uh uh I don't know how to even begin to explain it to folks, but they have to come and visit. To yeah, <laughs> to come visit everybody. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, I love I love showing people around. And yeah, thanks for telling me all the stories and yeah, yeah. about like the the genesis of the drum show and yeah. and then just all the all the interesting. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, you yeah, we could go for hours and hours about. Thanks, thanks for listening. We did you've one been, company. You've been basically. very patient. Uh, <laughs> get me started, and as you've seen, I yeah. When when we do hours. the show next year, we'll have to maybe we can do like a like maybe ten minutes on each company. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like let's do Rogers, then ten minutes on Gretz, ten minutes on Ludwig, ten minutes because we did Leedy. Leedy, yeah. we hit pretty pretty yeah. hard here in George Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Bro.